And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello and welcome to the Weighing In Podcast, where my man Josh Thompson, looking good there, got the blue and red corners behind his head, but you can tell that he does not like all the gray hair on his head because he's covering it with the beanie. (laughs) He doesn't want you to know, but it's happening. Age has set in, but he's still brilliant. Brilliant. We know what the difference is between you and I, right? Is that it's freezing outside in Tennessee. It's freezing outside right now in Texas, and when I wear a beanie... My hair looks like this. <laughs> it's like straight up and down. <laughs> Your hair doesn't seem to move. No, and so really no matter what you do, it doesn't move. And I, so I, I put the hat on a beanie. Otherwise, I was wearing a hat all day. I know. And you can, I can tell just, there's a little bit of a, like one hair is out <laughs> of place. Little, little. For those of you guys that are our audio listeners, I want to let you guys know my hair sticks straight up as soon as I take a hat off or a beanie off, whatever it is. And, um, yeah, so it's been freezing here. Like today, it was this morning. I woke up. It was only like forty-five degrees. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I was like, this feels good. Even my son on the way woke to school. Woke up twenty-two. Yeah, but by the time oh. we picked him up from school, which was crazy, it was in the like mid-thirties. And I was like, wow, this is this dropping. is a yeah, it was dropping. But then the sun came out. I I guess the saying's true around here is if you don't like the weather in Texas. Wait ten minutes. Just wait. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was over quick. Uh, but I woke up this morning. It was like 47, 48 degrees. I, oh, I walked outside. Oh, nice. Even my son on the way, because I take him to school in a golf cart. And we drop him in the morning. And he's so funny. He goes, it's a lot warmer today than it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, son, you're just getting used to it. And well, then, see, I, Go ahead. And, and then I'm at sorry. the end of the day, he gets out of school. And he's like, he's got all of his jackets off, his sweaters off. He's got nothing on. And then he comes outside. He's like, wow, it's freezing out here. He puts his jacket and his sweater back on because it was so much colder by the end of the day. Yep. Well, I can, t- I can always tell how cold it is in mine because see, when I go in the morning to pick up all the cow crap and everything, they're, they're you know, frozen solid. Oh. So it's like a giant 25-pound Frisbee. Yes. <laughs> but, they come off, but they come off the ground really good. Just boom, boom, pop them right in. What's that Frisbee, frisbee golf? You can use them for that. Oh. That disc golf, you can you try to use them for that. That'd be kind of cool if you had a, a cow patty uh Golf course on your <laughs> cow patty throw off. Yeah, on your farm. That'd be awesome. All right, guys. Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna keep you guys too long with uh, our mumbling on as normal. We're gonna go right into what we're gonna talk about today. Today we're gonna talk about let's start off with Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou. But before we go on any further than that, make sure you guys subscribe to us down below, hit the little thumbs up and the bell to get notifications. Uh, a lot of action coming on these days. That look, we're going to start the year off pretty strong. So I want to make sure you guys are on board. Hit that little bell notifications so you guys can get when we drop shows. There will be a couple surprise shows coming up because I know there's going to be a lot of news coming up leading up to UFC 300. And obviously with PFL getting ready to start organizing their fights, and those those fight cards are going to be coming on coming here pretty quickly, I believe. And uh, so be ready for some shows to drop um, unexpectedly. So I want to let you guys know that, or at least some content to drop. Maybe not a full show, but some content to drop. Yeah. Real quick, maybe a 20, 30-minute quick show that we drop in there. So hit that little bell, notifications. If you guys like what we're doing, hit the thumbs up. If you guys really love what we're doing, hit that subscribe button, man. We want to thank you guys for always supporting us and uh, following us, and we uh, are thankful for that. But we got Anthony Joshua, and real quick, I'm going to give people the rundown, uh, Dave, of what our show is. Anthony Joshua, Francis Ngannou, what's next? Marvin Vittori and... 
and uh, Brennan Allen, that's up next. And then after that, we're going to talk about uh, some Chael Sonnen and talking about how Masvidal is not coming back for 300 to fight Leon Edwards. So you can just take him right off the list. And uh, next after that, we're going to get into was the Was he ever on the list? I don't think he was. I, I think, don't think so I think, either. look, everyone kind of already knows that Masvidal's fighting Nate Diaz at the end of uh, February. So that'd be running too close to his fight. UFC doesn't want to take a chance probably on a 300 fight against Leon. And if he gets cut or hurt, you know, in the Nate Diaz fight, any of that stuff, why take that chance? But we're going to talk about about it. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to run on to uh, Sean O'Malley and the Conor McGregor conversations and all the stuff that led up to some of the stuff, talk, talk back and forth with Conor's numbers, Sean O'Malley's numbers, and the potential of, you know, how good they can be in the future. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Kamzat Chemayev uh, situation and him being sick. Oh, he looks bad. He looks bad right now. Yeah, I feel he, bad for him. You know who had something very similar to this, and I'll talk about this, was my manager, Bob Cook. And he had it for really? like six months. He couldn't get that rash to like go off of his body. It was super itchy. It was, it was painful for him. But he dealt with it, man, and it wasn't contagious. The doctors did biopsies, all that stuff on it. But we'll get into more of that, too. But yeah, that's going to be our show for today. No fights is coming up this weekend, and uh, but there's big fight announcements, so we're going to cover all that. We're even going to give you guys some fights that we want to potentially see and who we think may be champions at the end of the year of 2024. I mean, there's a lot of good things that be coming ahead. We're going to look at, take a look at the rankings in the UFC, and we're going to put together on who we may think will end up being the champ by the end of 2024. All right, so that's kind of our whole show in a, in a real quick recap. So if you guys are looking for timestamps, I just gave you timestamps. All right, guys, because I see you guys in the just comments. Kidding. I was just it's telling time stamp. It's not a timestamp, but that's to let you know where we're at. All right, so making it easier for you guys, we want to say we, uh, again, appreciate you guys. Anthony Joshua Francis Ngano, Big John, tell me what Kaboom. you think, buddy. Did we not talk about this? Oh, did we, we did. not say this was the fight to make? Did we not say that Eddie Hearn was all over this now, <laughs> knowing that he was going to make a jackpot oh, yeah. of money from putting this fight on and putting it on in Saudi Arabia was going to be in Saudi Arabia. But you know, I, it's amazing when you look at it and you go, you know, it says boxing and it's got the picture of Anthony Joshua and Anthony Joshua has been a, a dynamite heavyweight. You know, you can look at the losses that he's had, but you know, he's got the two to uh, Alexander Usyk and he's got Ruiz who beat him, but 27 and three. That's a very nice record. And then you look over at his opponent, 0 and 1. But you're going to get a lot of people betting on that 0 and 1 because of his performance against Tyson Fury. And so I look at this, I think this is a great matchup. This is one that, like, Anthony Joshua is the cleaner boxer. No doubt about it. Josh, you know that he's got the cleaner boxing. But it's the same thing that happened to Tyson Fury. There is something called power that you just have to give respect to. And when it touches you and you go, uh-oh, that can alter the fight. And that's all Francis has to do is touch him that one time. Like you said, put him on his ass one time. It's going to change everything as far as the confidence that Joshua is going to go in with and all that. It'll all go away with one shot. So that's what makes this fight intriguing. It makes it fun. It makes it one that you look and you go, I don't give a shit what the records are. Yeah, this is a fight I want to see. There's a bunch of reasons um, why this fight's intriguing to me. 
But this is, I'm going to go back to why I gave Francis Ngannou fighter of the year for, not fighter of the year, but yeah, basically fighter of the year. Yeah, for you me. did. You gave him fighter of the year. Fighter of the year for me in our, one of our year end shows uh, last week was because of moves like this that were going to open up for all the MMA guys. He took a chance on his career to take a step into boxing and not just boxing, but then he also explored into the PFL realm too and to see what they could offer him. They're, they're taking care of him big time. He's got big money fights lined up. He's allowed to do boxing right now. This fight's coming really quick. If he has a good performance here, if he sits Joshua down again, he could be 0-2 and, and still get another big money fight. <laughs> Isn't that true. crazy? That's insane. It is. He just put down two of the best boxers. Some of these other boxers have never dropped these guys. You know what I mean? And these guys, this is what they do for their career. Now, he is a fighter. I get Francis Ngannou is a fighter. He, he's been through everything in, in, under the sun when it comes to his life. But he understands that this is, just a, this is just a fight. Things that he's dealt with in his past, this catapults him to understand that this is, this is nothing. This is nothing that he's had to deal with in his life. So this is a sport to him. This is fun for him. This is an opportunity for him to make a ton of money. And I think he's gonna. He's gonna change the outlook of what fighters can do instead of just staying with one promotion. He's going to change that. And I think is if he has a good performance here, I think he's already kind of ch leading the way right now, but I think he's going to make with a good performance here. A lot of these MMA guys are going to start taking a step back going, okay, I can have two careers if I'm not tied down to one promotion. So where can I go to another promotion that allows me to do boxing? Good point. This this is a way to open up the the floodgates for a lot of these fighters to start second guessing. Why am I just fighting one way? Sure, I love I love training jujitsu. I love training wrestling. I love mixing it all together. When I can spend all this time working on one craft and get one or two big time fights, you know, against good top level fighters and see how I do. And if it doesn't work, I can always maybe come back or I can sign with a promotion that allows me to do both. You know, it makes sense. I think if a promotion has, um, if they have if they're open minded. They can say, look, if he lost in, in if he lost in boxing, it doesn't bother me because that's not MMA. There's no, so many other the PFL. That's what the PFL's put out there, though. Yeah. You know, and, and that's good. This all comes down to what we've talked about before. How big is your ego? What is your ego about? Mm -hmm. Is it about I want to I want people to recognize me and I want people to say that I'm one of the best when it comes to mixed martial arts fighting? Or is it you want to make money? Mm-hmm. Sometimes those don't coincide. No. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Conor McGregor, yes, it does. But most of the time, it really doesn't. You're going to get a lot of people got a lot of fame yeah. and have a have a bank account that's got a lot of dust in it. So you got to look and you got to say, hey, what's important? And the one thing that at least that Francis is doing is he's showing people, hey, you can bet on yourself. That's what I did. And that's what he did. Yeah. You know, he gambled. You know, there, there was a lot of money on the table with the UFC as far as for one fight, and depending upon how he did with that fight. Mm -hmm. But he wanted more, and he stuck by, and it, his wasn't more about money. It was more about freedoms and abilities to do things that interested him. And the promotion had no interest in those things, and he did, and that's why he took off and went somewhere else. And that's why the PFL was where he landed, because they were going to allow him to do those things. That's what... You know, that's what this whole game is about. It's about a, you know, compatibility that you get to do the things and your, 
you know, promoter allows you to do those things, even when sometimes it's not in your contract. Look at Michael Page. Michael Page is going to the UFC right now. Michael Page was allowed by Scott Coker. He didn't have it in his uh, contract that he could do bare knuckle boxing, but he was going to make a shitload of money. And then Scott Coker said, how do I keep a guy from making that kind of money for a fight? Go do it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way it should be. The, like I said, the open-mindedness of the promoter, allowing them and understanding that, look, if my guy goes over there and fights him in MMA, if he was to fight Tyson Fury in MMA, Tyson Fury would have mauled him, just destroyed him. But in a boxing what? match? What? 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 If what? Francis Ngannou would have fought Tyson Fury in an MMA fight. Yeah, you just said that Tyson Fury would have mauled him. I did? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I take that back. Sorry, my bad. I, I said <laughs> it backwards. Okay. I didn't want all the comments no, going. Sorry, sorry. Josh Thompson I'm has so lost glad. his mind. So glad you fixed that. Okay, I'm sorry. Francis Ngannou would have mauled him. It would have been, <laughs> oh, he would have been able yes. to take him down. It would have handled him. He would have finished him on the ground, whether submission or ground and pound. He would have destroyed him. Um, and on the feet, we saw that it was it was competitive. You know, yeah. it was back and forth. It was people, it was, you know, it was a very close fight. Now you can say what you want about Tyson Fury's shape and all the other things. He didn't look the same. I heard all that. Okay. But I, that's not where I'm going with this. I said this is Francis was able to touch his chin and that's all it took. And that's all Francis has ever really needed. If I can get yep. to your chin before you get to mine, or I can get to you before I start to get a little bit tired and fatigued, then I could potentially finish you. And look, and he started gaining ground in Tyson against Tyson Fury in those later rounds. He had some layoff rounds. Like, I think rounds five and six, he kind of yeah, took those rounds off. Yeah, I agree. And he looked a little tired, but then he got his second wins in round, you know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere up in there, as I recall. And he started putting it back together. And so those are the those are the things that I want to see from him in this fight. What I want what I want to say though, the most that intrigues me the most about this, Anthony Joshua is hittable. He does tend to slow down himself as the fight goes on. Yes. And yeah, I know that it's I know his not, chin is not, not only hittable. Yes, it's it could be destructible. It's been damaged. Yeah, it's been hit. It's been clipped. He's been put down. And the person you don't want to stand in front of you when they have that type of power is Francis Ngannou. Well, see, and this is where people you, know, you can go back. I, I, I'll base this off of MMA and you'll remember. You know, Chuck Liddell's first fight in the UFC. Do you remember who it was? No. No. And no one really does. His Hart? name was no- oh. Noe Hernandez. Noe, okay. Noe Hernandez. And Noe Hernandez was out of Iowa. He was a tough boxer, big hands. And Chuck went in there, not to wrestle, to, to throw hands. And they busted each other up in that fight. And Chuck took some unbelievable shots that he just walked through. And that was Chuck Liddell. Chuck could do that. Chuck could rely on having this chin that, man, you could hit him with a damn sledgehammer and he just kind of went, and he just walked forward and boom. And that's what made Chuck who he was. But all of a sudden, it only took one, and it was when Rampage Jackson hurt him the second time in the UFC, UFC 71. He knocked him out. His chin was never the same, never. And it was, you know, obviously it had been, you know, been compromised up to that point. But I don't care who you are or how good you are. When your chin goes, there is no yeah. getting it back. No. 
And it's not that you can't fight. You can. Fedor's fin, you know, chin went and he could fight because he didn't get, you know, he never got hit with that good shot. But if he got hit with the good shot, you knew, oh, he's going to have problems. And Chuck had those problems and got put out a lot, you know, in the last part of his career. But this is a guy that relied on a granite chin. And Joshua had a decent chin. Not great, decent. And now it's been cracked a couple of times. And you've seen him get hurt. And, man, when you talk about the difference of what power does is you don't have to land the perfect shot. You just, you know, the one that grazes can cause that serious damage. Yeah. And that's what Francis has on his side. Yeah, he's got that power. Um, he's got him in the way he worked his jab last time was awesome. The way he set up his combinations, the way he switched stance a little bit here and the way there. he went to the body at times. Yes. And when he switched stance, his, I felt like his left hand was better than his right hand. It was straighter, I can tell you that. Yes, it, it was. found the mark a lot better. And those are things that Joshua's going to have to deal with, is how does he handle a southpaw fighter, especially someone that throws a straight punch right down the pipe and gets it there fast and with power. Those are things you got to deal with. He's got a stiff jab. Francis Ngannou is someone not to be to trifled with, man. He's, nope. he is, he's shown that he can compete at that level. But I want to know how much better he's gotten in such a short period of time since the Tyson Fury fight, because even though he came up with a loss, this is one of the biggest confidence builders. I think of his career It's he's got to be thinking, I can do this. This guy is Anthony Joshua to me is not on the level of Tyson Fury. And so when I look at Francis Ngannou, he has the chance right now to shock the world. Like he did in the first fight with uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah, he's with got a loss. Yeah. Even with the loss, he's yeah. got now a chance to shock the world completely. Anthony yeah. Joshua is going to have to stick that jab in the face, stay on his stay on his bicycle in that ring, and make him miss and make him pay. He's got to keep the jab in his face, never let him set his feet. Just people don't realize until you get in that cage with Francis Ngannou how explosive he is and how fast he finds the mark. And how and, physically strong he is. He's a big man. Yep. I have a pic. I have a picture of Francis. I mean, it was at a, an award show, and Francis is with us. And it's got sugar, you know, uh, Rashad Evans, sugar, sugar's in there, and uh, I think Misha's in there, my wife and me, and we're we're all taking a picture. And here's Francis over the top, just like, <laughs> you know, and you just look and you go, God damn, look at the wingspan, yeah. that son of a bitch. He's covering all of us with his hands. Like the guy is, he's a freak as far as an athlete. Well, I want to go backwards a little bit, and let's talk about how are these considered gimmick fights? Because Dana had some choice words when it came down to like, this is not what I do in the organization. I don't do these gimmick fights. I mean, Francis has proven that that he can stay in there with, with guys like Tyson Fury. Will he be able to do the same thing against Anthony Joshua? They are a different style of fighter. You know, uh, Tyson Fury is a lot bigger. He will hang on you a little bit more. He will try to oh, make yeah. you work. He'll use his footwork in terms of but like I, shuffle in front of you, move his head offline. Anthony Joshua is a big man. He is a big guy. I'm not saying that. You know, he's, they're going to, they're going to look very similar going into this fight yes. as far as build size, everything. So these two will, yes, these two yes. will, but Tyson did yes. not with, with Francis. He, he was no. a little bit bigger than Francis. He was oh, able yeah. to hang on Francis. He was able to try to make Francis carry his weight. Whereas Francis is normally that guy. He's the bigger guy. He's the stronger guy. He's the guy that can press you to the fence and make you hang on you. But if Joshua is smart, one of the things that he'll learn from that first fight that he watches with Tyson Fury is 
Tyson thought that he would be very good in the clinch with Ningano. And he quickly learned, um, I can't clinch with this guy. I'm He's too strong. He's putting himself in. He's making me work hard. And so if I was Joshua or I just camp, I'm going to say, hey, we're going to stay out of clinching as much as we If we're going to clinch, we're just going to hold on until that referee breaks us. We're not going to try to gain anything. Hold on, let him break you, and then go back to business. You but, know that's going to fatigue him even more, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to fatigue him even more. I, I look back to the, the Dana comments. Do you think that Dana looks at this now as a missed opportunity? <laughs> okay. Well, with uh, Endeavor wanting to buy a, a specific uh, boxing promotion mm -hmm. and uh, in, in the midst of doing that right now, I would say, yeah, it was a, you know, it was a gamble and it didn't pay off for the way they were looking at it, even with a loss, which I think was the real problem for Dana. And, and I don't blame Dana in one, you know, bit for thinking that this is not a good fight for Francis. I didn't think it was a good fight for Francis. Yeah. You know, and and because this is not like you're getting with, you know, oh, you know, we got MMA fighters fighting, you know, YouTubers. We're talking about a guy going in and fighting the very best heavyweight there is. Yeah. You know, it's not like he was fighting, a, you know, a nobody. So I totally understand why Dana looked at it that way. And, and he did not want his and he never would his champion, his heavyweight champion going out and getting beat. Yeah. So then let me ask you this then. What is the difference between Connor going out there and doing it against Mayweather and Francis going out there and doing it? Why hold back one and not the other? Well, let, let me ask you this. I asked you Connor, a question. You answer it, buddy. Don't okay, ask me a I'm question answer, with I'm, a question. I'm, answer, I'm answering <laughs> it right now. Connor won a featherweight championship and never defended it. Yes. Connor won a lightweight championship and never defended it. Yeah. So when you when you're looking at you know where Connor's at compared to other fighters and, and you know, what is acceptable for him and what's acceptable for another. I think when you're looking at Dana saying, I have a guy who is facing a guy 50 and oh, all right. No one expects Connor to do well in this, but as long as he, you know, fights well for a while, it, it'll look good. He let it go and he made a lot of money off of it, but he's not into having his champions lose. And that just doesn't look good for his promotion. I get it, but that's why I go back to my question is what was different about Connor doing it versus Francis or any of his other guys that want to talk? No, about I it? think that's why I'm, I'm saying that I think part of it is he did it with Connor and again, he lost. Mm -hmm. And I think Dana kind of knew it was going to happen. But then as time goes on before the fight, when he's at the UFC PI and he's, he's training there. Sorry. This thought process starts. Hey man, he's looking good. Hey man, you know, you're the you're the easiest person in the world I know to talk into. Hey, that guy's gonna win, right? All he's got to tell you is how confident he is and what he's been doing. And and Josh Thompson's gonna say, I think he's gonna win. Well, I think the same thing happened for Dana, and he kind of got that. Well, you know, Floyd's getting a little older. Connor hits hard. All this stuff, and reality set in when McGregor lost, and it was back to I'm not doing that again. Yeah, I. I would agree with you on this. I just, I look at every time I think Dana takes a look at every time he's loaned a fighter out to do something, they've lost. Things haven't, things have not gone. They well. haven't worked well for him. Chuck Liddell went to pride lost. You know, he won his fight against Alistair, but he was losing that fight. 
And then he hit him with the oh, big yeah. overhand right, and he knocked, yeah. dropped him, and knocked him out. Yeah, that, but then lost a rampage. But then lost a rampage, and he lost a rampage nasty. You know, when he came back to the UFC, people want to say he was the same fighter, but I didn't see him as the same fighter. And I was close with Chuck. I'm really close yeah. with Chuck. No, he was. He seemed like he was, slowed that was, down. That first one yeah. wasn't really a knockout. It no, was a beatdown. It was a beating though, and that's was, what exactly led into and it everything took, else. It took something out of him, and that's why the next time that they fought. He got touched by him, and yeah. the chin's just not the same. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, like Dana probably looking at it, going, "Look, every time I've lent a fighter out, any of my best fighters out there, well, he got burnt come back and yeah. lost, and he also got burnt in in the. If you're taking a look at it, go back to the Pride days. Yeah. You know they were saying that you know they were going to loan out Sakuraba, they were going to loan out Vanderlei to come in in uh, reciprocation. And that never happened. Yeah. He just burned him. And he took that to heart. He was like, oh, okay. I learned a lesson. As he should have. do that again. As yeah. he should have. Um, I'm going to recap on all of this, though. But Francis Ngannou, I think he's got the chance to touch Joshua's chin and put Joshua down. Now, he may not put him out. But if he puts nope. him down, if he puts him down once or twice, I mean, this puts this fight really in question. I'm like, hey, Francis Ngannou could be the toughest 0-2 boxer in the world. He's going to stay in that top heavyweight ranking. And guess yeah. what? Another paycheck's going to come. And what we just saw with Deontay Wilder's last performance, what, what does the UFC normally do? They put two people that are coming off losses, hoping in hopes of getting one of them a win. I don't know. You, and that's kind of the fight that everyone originally wanted to see was the Deontay Wilder and Francis Ngannou because they both have power. And Deontay's not a big guy. He's tall. He's long. Yes. But he's not yes. physically a big guy. He walks around about, no. I think, 230 at the most. 225. 220. Yeah. 220. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. So he's not a big guy. No. Uh, he's height-wise, he's big. He's long. He's yeah. rangy. All of those things that you need for boxing. Um, he possesses knockout power. So yeah, he does. His right hand is lethal. It is lethal. And so when I'm looking at when I'm looking at a lot of these fights and matchups for potentially Francis Ngannou, he could get another boxing match in before the end of the year. And it could be Deontay Wilder. He could fight the three best guys in the heavyweight division in less than a year, John. That's crazy when you think about it. But doesn't he have I, – I was I was thinking that the PFL had a stipulation that he had to fight in the second half of the year for them. Yeah, so it he was – he, he had the, But he, Don Davis he the, did come out and talk about it, I think, on Ariel's show. He said it's up in the air. Like, if he wants okay. to fight in the first quarter for us, he can. If he wants to fight in the last quarter, he can. You know, he can do either one. So it sounds like he wants to fight in the last quarter, which would make sense. I mean, they don't have anyone for him to fight right now. I think they want to let the dust settle in the heavyweight division, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, Linton Vassell or Ryan Bader or, you know, uh, Nemkov going up to heavyweight, whatever it is, or any of the guys that they have right now. Who's there? Uh, Henan uh, Ferreira. Henan Ferreira. Oh, man, that guy's a beast. Yeah. What a beast. Six and he's eight. got power on the feet. He's quick and yeah, speed and all those things. So you've got some matchups that, that can be there for him. But I think what the PFL wants to do is let the dust settle after they do their champion versus champion and, you know, and, and let's see what other heavyweights come up from the Bellator ranks. Give it a full year and we'll see how the dust settles and the winner gets to fight. Arguably a guy kind of fighter of the year right now, Francis Ngannou. <laughs> Biggest news so far of the year. <laughs> hold it, hold it. That's the winner? Yeah. The I winner gets to fight him? I mean, I, yeah. The, I get, the winner of all that dust <laughs> settling gets to fight Francis Ngannou. I'm a winner. I get to go fight France. That's going to be fun. 
I mean, you got to think, though, how much better they've got to be feeling. Sure, you went off and fought boxing, but you haven't been training your wrestling. You haven't been training your jiu-jitsu. That's jiu-jitsu. true. So there's a, true. there's a notch that I can, oh, yeah. I can start looking at going, hey, he's been away from the sport for over a year in the sport of MMA. Sure, he's been training his boxing, but I never planned to stand with him anyways. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, you know, Who Nemkov, does? Ryan Bader. I mean, Nemkov may stand with him a little bit more if he was to fight him, but Ryan Bader's going to write to wrestling. Lynn Vassell will probably go right to wrestling. Henan Ferreira, but he, he, I think he'll stand. Yeah, he'll stand. I think he'll stand. So, uh, but I think overall, it'll be his downfall. Yeah, but it'll be fun for us fans. <laughs> yes. It'll be really fun for I us. I agree. Uh, can I ask you guys a question about this Francis thing? Um, so he's doing these two massive fights, right? And then he's doing huge, massive boxing fights, right? Big time, like global stage, blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to come back to the PFL and then he's going to have these guys that, that you know, I, to be honest, they don't have the same appeal to everyday combat sports fans that, that Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury do. What how, what do you think, like, how is Francis's mindset affected by that? Because because does he, mm. like, you know, one, if, let's say he beats Joshua or he has a good showing like he did against Fury. Does he want to, does he want to take that, step away from what like what's kind of draw like what's kind of putting his name on 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 like a, a I don't stage I don't that? I don't think he has uh I don't think he has an option you know in his contract he needs to fight for the PFL uh they allowed him to go out and fight boxing which I'm glad they did you know and we're seeing the results of it you know he's bringing more recognition not just the PFL and letting them know that they know how to do business that this is we're letting our fighters live their dreams they can fight inside the cage or they can fight inside the boxing ring well said, Joshua Thompson. That's good. We're letting our fighters live their dreams. Mm-hmm. Guess what the PFL is going to now use? <laughs> Hello. I should trademark that. <laughs> Damn. So I, I think that's kind of where he's at. Now, in terms of answer your questions about the mindset, there will be a switch in his mindset. I've fought the best boxers in the world. I've fought the best fighters in the world. Will we see a decline in his enthusiasm inside the cage? I don't think so. Like I said earlier, when I started this whole conversation about Francis Ngannou, look where he's come from. This is all just money in the bank. This is all just stuff. This is, this is fun for him. You know, so there's, yeah. there's no, he's not looking that way. He's a positive guy from everything I've gathered interviews and all that. He's a positive guy. And he looks at everything that I've done in my life has led me to this point just to be successful. And I'm going to do as much as I possibly can and make as much money as I possibly can to take care of the people that I love the most. Eric Nixick, his coach, life-changing money was put into his bank account by Francis Ngannou, and more life-changing money is about to hit that bank account too. That's like, <laughs> so, okay, I, I'm not, like, I, I'm a big Eric fan, and so I'm making a joke, but you didn't think that okay, this fight is signed, and Eric goes, "Thank you." Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> John looking up to the heavens, going, "Yes, thank uh, you, thank you." Eric's thank going, you. "Thank you, Lord, thank you." I get it, man. I get it. I did something right. Uh, uh, but I, I could see a potential switch in the mindset, but I don't think so. I, I think where who he is mentally as a fighter and as a person, they're all dangerous to him. I think he is somebody that, like I said, when you, when you come, like fighters in general, we had this conversation last show, fighters in general, we don't all come from happy homes. We're not, they're not, it's not two person homes. They're not happy homes. Some of them are happy homes, but then they're just not, they're not the lifestyle that we, we would love to grow up into, you know, I mean, working in the, I had to work in the fields as a young kid, picking peaches or not peaches, apricots and prunes and cherries, you know, working in the fields with my grandmothers and all my cousins, 
Like those are things that I look back, digging trenches, doing all these, pulling buckets, all these other things. These are things that you grow up going, I don't want this for myself my whole life, but you know, you're glad that you were part of it when you were younger. Cause it made you the mentally strong the rest of your life. You know, uh, I think that's him. I think that's him. Yeah, I agree. I, I look at him and you take a look at the things that he's gone through in his life. This is a guy that's been homeless on the streets of Paris after, you know, traveling through deserts to get there. And he doesn't look back. He just looks forward. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a good way to be as a fighter. Well, it, none of this would be possible unless he gambled on himself. He took a yep. chance. And that's why when I, when we did this whole man of the year thing, John, I'm gonna keep going back to this. Cause I feel strongly about this. Well, now that this fight was announced. man of the year or fight fighter of the year. Okay. There we go. Well, in the sport, the in, in this sport, he could be man of the year too. Like, <laughs> but fighter of the year, I gave him fighter of the year because this led into him banking, you know, taking a chance on himself and look where he's at right now. Now this is not going to work out for everyone. I get it. It's not going to work out for everyone. But take the positive. Believe in yourself like this guy did. And the sky is the ceiling. And the, the ceiling, what do you know what I meant? <laughs> it's like, I get so excited for him because it's, it's, it's great to see things like this come to fruition. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about, we got Marvin Vittori versus Brendan Allen. Great fight. Great fight. You like that fight? I do. You don't, I sense a little hesitation in your voice. No, no. I think it's a, actually a really good fight. I think it's one of those... Marvin Vittori is a guy that, you know, has power, will go to the ground. Brendan Allen has gotten better and better and better. He is smooth on the feet. His ground game is fantastic mm -hmm. now. You know, he's putting submissions on guys that you would think, nope, he's not going to get a submission against him. Yep, he gets it. Uh, and the one thing that it just popped in my head when I saw this thing come up as far as this fight, I've seen Brendan Allen fighting a lot lately in 2020 at the end of 2023 i haven't seen marvin vittori since his last fight against elite mm -hmm. and that was somewhere you know about seven months ago i would say but this is one of those ones look at brendan allen right now he's hot and marvin vittori is going to have his hands full in getting a win over brendan allen yeah, it's going to be a scrap. I think there's going to be, I think Brendan Allen's going to shock a lot of people with the way that he's able to kind of pressure Marvin Vittori. He's not going to let Marvin Vittori kind of bully him around. He's going to stick and move. I think he's going to hit the calf kick pretty early and often and try to slow down the movement of Marvin Vittori. He's not going to try to slow down the pressure of Marvin Vittori. I think Marvin Vittori is going to try to press him to the fence. Try yeah, he's going to try him. to definitely put pressure, close the, close the gap on he's him. Gonna, That's what he does. There's that black line that runs around an octagon shape, I believe, inside the cage. And yeah. he's going to try to get Brendan Allen's whole body behind that black line or at least three-quarters of it behind that black line. And then that opens up and takes away. It opens up a lot of what he can do. He can wrestle there. He can strike there. Uh, he can do whatever it is he needs to do in that. He can cut the cage off in those positions. but And he, he can press him to the fence. Whereas it minimizes what Brendan Allen can do. It minimizes him circling to his left and right as much. It minimizes him getting off with power because he's afraid of, of getting his back foot to the fence and then being driven to the fence. There's a lot yeah. of things that that takes away when you can get that person's three-quarter of his, of his body or his full body back behind that black line. Yeah, I did miss. He fought Jared Cannonier. I believe that was his last fight. Dolice okay. was not. Jared Cannonier was his last fight. But, you know, Brendan Allen, take a look at, you know, you had Muniz, he, mm -hmm. he, Paul Craig. 
guys that are good with submission on the ground game he doesn't care he's got a great ground game himself yeah so he's on a he's on a tear right now this is a big step up in competition though for him six wins in a row yeah and he's got wins against good fighters look at jotko is a good fighter he's a tough individual muniz bruno silva we've seen is tough as hell will you know fight anywhere and then paul craig you know he was he was coming in feeling good yeah coming down to 185 he had one fight before that very impressive and then his second fight you know uh brendan allen put it took it to him took it to him dominated good matchup yeah it's gonna gonna be interesting what else you got for us dave Next. All right. <clears throat> Let's hop on over to this uh, Masvidal thing. Um, so I brought this up because last show we talked about him tweeting on retired. Then we kind of get into the whole Nate Diaz thing, you know, saying that <laughs> that fight's happening in February. Uh, I don't know if that means, I don't know if it necessarily means UFC 300, but what I wanted to get you guys' take on that I'm sure fans would love to hear is the potential that he comes back against Leon Edwards. Uh, you know, what do you guys think as far as the re- realistically, how, does that happen? Um, is it, you know, what kind of fight does that end up being? And then the other one is the BMF, right? Um, UFC 300, does this potential that you could put a BMF, Justin Gaethje and George Masvidal at 170 for the BMF title, and you've got two BMF guys. Um, that's, you know, big time, big time fight there. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, on that, on those two fights specifically and the potential. Okay, do me a favor, Dave, pull up Masvidal's record. Okay. Because this is the problem. When you you go through all this, and I, and I I do believe, look when Masvidal had the incident after knocking out, it was Darren Till, and they had the the incident in the back where he you know he threw hands at uh, Leon yeah. Edwards and and actually hit him. That was a moment that the UFC had to make that fight happen, and it, it's there's all kinds of stuff behind it that you can use. That fight now was back in 2019. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And and what really makes it gone, if, if Masvidal had been winning at the end, then, all right, but how are you going to take a guy that's got four losses in a row and put him in a championship fight and a championship fight that people are talking about might be at UFC 300? You can't do that. And, and this is nothing against George Masvidal. I love George Masvidal. I know you love George Masvidal. He's been a freaking stud throughout his career, everywhere that he's fought. You know, he's fought the who's who, wherever it's at. He never cared. But there comes that point. And that point is, George is older. He is slower. He's not the fighter that he was. And I'm just being honest. I love him. But if you're going to take George Masvidal at 34 years of age or George Masvidal now, the George Masvidal at 34 was a better fighter. Yeah. And so you can't even talk about this kind of fight. And then to say the BMF, he, he had the BMF title thing against Nate Diaz. That was a great thing. I loved it. Does, does Gaethje even want to go up to 170 because Masvidal can't go back down to 155? At one time he fought 155, but you know that was a long time ago. So he's been a 170-pounder for a long time. So is it going to be at 170 now? Or is it going to be at 155? And then, again, speed. Look, at if there's one thing that Justin Gaethje is, is a guy that has got speed still. He's got power in his hands. He's got speed. And Masvidal is a slick stand-up fighter. But speed kills. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's, it's so hard to get people to understand. 
it only takes that one year and all of a sudden just the direction of your abilities is now on the downhill side compared to climbing and percentage points make you know the difference and we're talking tenths and one hundredths and one thousandths of percentage point difference in some fighters and when you're giving away an actual percentage point two three you can't you can't do that at this point and i and i again i love george masvidal and i, I don't want to put him down in any way i'm not He's a fantastic fighter. He's been great for the sport. I love the guy as a person. You know, he stands by what he says, but him fighting Nate Diaz, I'm all for. They're both close to the same age. You know, that age is there. 32-year-old Leon Edwards against Masvidal? Come on. You don't want to do that. Uh, there's just no way in, in any avenue I can see this this fight coming to fruition, whether the Gaethje fight or the Leon fight. <clears throat> Not only because he's coming off four losses, but on top of that, like like I said, he's I feel like he's scheduled to fight. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But from what I'm hearing, that fight's supposed to happen February 28th against Nate Diaz in a boxing match. So okay. if that fight happens, the UFC is not going to bank on their main event or their co-main event against Leon Edwards, against George Mazadal, knowing that he fights two or three weeks before. If he gets cut, if he gets hurt, he gets anything. Now what do we do? We're scrambling around. That's not the UFC way, man. Not on the biggest card of their new. No. Yeah, and the biggest card. Theirs will be to, solid. Yeah, this 300 is going to be a solid card. I know everyone's expecting this big, like, Brock Lesnar thing, walk out or, you know, whatever. It, let's yeah. not get into that because when I'm talking to – I feel like I'm losing you guys. Um, you're all, you went quiet. Yeah, my audio seemed like it went down a little bit. Yeah. Hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Hello? We can hear you. You just went quiet a little bit. Oh, okay. Just went down. Is that better? Um, it's about the same. Oh, I wonder what happened. That's so weird. Someone got Maybe tired of hearing cable, you talk. Cable came loose somewhere, but. Oh, man, <laughs> man, oh. Anyways, um, yeah, I just I don't. Masvidal just came in and punched your yeah, cable. I just I don't see that happening. I don't see what they're doing happening. I don't see I don't see the Gaethje thing happening. Justin is right now at the peak. I think again at his career. Yeah. Uh, and his opportunities to make a lot He's of right money. at a point of, of fighting for a title at 155. Yeah. Why would he even think of going up for a fight at 170? It doesn't make any sense. Makes no, no sense whatsoever. Uh, so for I, I would say I spent an hour on the phone with Chael yesterday, and it was funny. He brought this up for a split second. He's like, yeah, there's absolutely no way this fight happens. No. <laughs> I was like... I was like, all right, I, I hadn't heard about and this it. And oh, this, this is one of the things, you know, a lot of people with Chael, this one time, Chael's right. This is not happening. <laughs> not happening. Got it. Uh, what else for you got for us, Dave? All right, let's hop into the next one here. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on Sean O'Malley saying he thinks he could be as big as Conor McGregor by the end of 2024, uh, biggest star in the sport. He thinks if he goes out and puts on a couple of beautiful performances, um, then he could be as big as Conor McGregor by the end of the year. What do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Josh. I'll let you go. No. <laughs> oh. No. He he cannot be as big as Conor McGregor. Um, when I'm just Conor came at a time in the sport, and the UFC put him on track to be this this fighter, and then just blew up with the Floyd Mayweather situation that the UFC put him into, and helped get him into. It just it doesn't happen. Now the one thing I will say. And there was the Ily Taporia said the same thing was that he hits a different market for the UFC. He hits the younger market. He hits the TikTok market. 
a lot of these fighters don't hit that that little checkbox, you know, um, when advertising or when market dollars come in, he does. He hits the yeah, TikTok market, the YouTube. The, the TikTok market is a young market with a lot of people that make money and a lot of people that don't. Yeah, that's true. When you, when you don't, you're definitely not buying a $90 pay-per-view. Well, like I was going to say is that what happens though in that process is that you find out that a lot of those kids, if they aren't making money, they have, they have to rely on their parents to buy. <laughs> and, and those chances right now in 2024 with the economy the way it is, they're not spending that money, not $90 or $80 on a, on a pay-per-view. I mean, they may, not all of them. But look, I think he does hit a different market and he brings in a different market for the, uh, for the UFC brand. And it's a different market than all the other fighters uh, would bring in. Can you name another fighter that hits the market, the same type of market that he does? Yeah, hold on one second. Dave, while, while we're talking about this, do me a favor, if you can, and pull me up the first pay-per-view that Conor McGregor headlined. Headlined? Main event. First pay-per-view that he was the main event. And they still have not put out the numbers uh, uh, all the way eight. on the Aljamain Sterling fight, but we'll talk about that. But 189, and that was against Chad Mendez, right? Yep. And do me a favor, see if you can see what that did as far as numbers. Okay. Because what what we're really talking about here is you're saying, you know, name, name me another fighter. It would only be guys that are kind of like Sean, young fighters with a different, a different attitude towards life and everything. And there's a couple out there, but they're few and far between. No, no. My question was what fighters, what, what fighters, fighters do they have that are mimic Sean? There's the, what I'm saying. in terms of bringing few in and far between. Yeah. Yeah, few and far between. But if you take a look, it had a million pay-per-view buys. We're talking about Conor McGregor's. Yeah. Had a $7.2 million live gate and over 1 million pay-per-view buys. Yeah. Okay? The, the, one of the things that, you know, Al Jermaine has come out talking about is, like, I took that fight because people were telling me, hey, man, pay-per-view numbers are going to be really good. You know, Sean's going to be the other end of it. He goes, they were shit. Okay. That's the guy who would uh, give you yeah. the most honest answer as far as really where it was at. So Sean can talk all he wants about, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm right there with Conor McGregor. No, son, you are not. You can sit there and try to be him and put yourself in a position to talk about how you are that guy. And maybe you will be somewhere along the way. But. With what Connor did, his numbers right away show, nope, you're not in the same category as him, and his only grew from that point. Yeah, I feel like I just went completely off. Not completely off, but you're a little quieter. You, you, you went quieter. It's so bizarre. I don't know. You know what it is? Is um, I bought a new mic and I put the new mic in, so I don't know. Maybe that's it. It's got to be. I didn't have this problems with my last mic. Um, all right, look. But given it time, though, I think he could potentially be a big star. I'm not no saying doubt. that he's going to be the Conor no McGregor star, but I think given it time that he could be a big star, you know, because he's attracting a younger market that will eventually get into money, whether they have to get real jobs or be YouTube stars, whatever it is, they're going to eventually make money. 
and they're going to be able to spend their money on whatever they want. And those people will be fans of Sean O'Malley, you know, and, and they will continue to follow him. He's there's, there's not many fighters like him in the UFC. And so if I'm going to follow a fighter that I seem to connect with and Sean O'Malley, then he's the one fighter. Every time he fights, I'm going to dish out for the pay-per-view. That's the way that I look at it. Sounds good. But <clears throat> at this point, the pay-per-view numbers have spoken. Yeah. Not the same. But John, you know, you can sometimes talk it into existence. If he continues to say, oh, my numbers are this. manifest this? Yes. Is that what it is? Well, not just manifest it, but we know, you can, you know this, is that the more people talk about it, more people start to believe it. Oh, this guy's must watch TV. Everyone's tuning in to watch him. And then his numbers are this, or my numbers are, he, he constantly talks about it in his interviews. Well, what do you think that's going to do? That's going to get more people to be like, okay, what's all this talk? What, who is this guy? You know, and then. Then it starts trickling, starts trickling in the casuals. Yeah, and the casuals start paying the money to watch Sean O'Malley, and it's not hard to miss him. But he's the tall, skinny guy with the dyed hair. He's the tall, tall skinny guy with the cornrows that are pink. Yeah, so it's but, easy to remember what cards he's on. Yeah, it's easy, all the way up to the point of you got to win. Yeah, this is very true. He's doing. He's win. keeping his end of the bargain up, though. Yeah, he is. What else you got for us, Dave? All right, let's look at uh, Hamza. Not a whole lot to say here, but he basically is saying he's he's super sick. He's going to be out um, trying to improve his health. The pictures obviously paint a kind of nasty situation. Yeah, I we I don't know what crazy Bob Cook had, but it, it looked his rash on his body and on his and on his neck and his face and everything looked just like that. And it lasted him about like probably four to six months somewhere in there. And he said it was like painful. It was painful. It was itchy. It was, he couldn't sleep at night and doctors didn't know what to make of it. No, no idea how to get rid of it. It just had to run its course and it took, it took months, took months. And, uh, and that's exactly in his, in Bob's face in the beginning, when he first got it like this kind of swell a little bit, got puffy. So I, I wonder what it is. I mean, I'm interested to hear exactly what this is and what they've diagnosed him with. If they, if there is a diagnosis. He does not look that picture in itself. Yeah. You look and you go, dude, worry about your health. Yeah. You know, because that that is he does not look good. He looks, as you said, in his face, he looks puffy. He looks like he's been in a fight. Yeah. You know, he actually does. He or looks he's been you know, up all night drinking, but we know he doesn't drink. The, so. This is true. <laughs> and you can see all that modeling of his skin and everything, that rash. It he just looks ill, man. And yeah. so all I can say is, man, I'm I hope he improves and you know, best of luck to him. I don't, you don't want to see anyone have to go through something like that, but does not look good. Let him be, let him get healthy. Yep. Hopefully we see him back in the cage here soon. Hey guys, join us over at OnlyFans. Subscribe to us over there. It is free. We do not charge for all of our extra content on the OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Subscribe to us over there. It is free. John and I put out some extra content over there. I dropped some extra content here and there on as, as well over there. So make sure you guys subscribe to us over there at OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Also, there are other fighters on there. So if you follow us, you're all probably interested in following fighters like Luke Rockhold, AJ McKee, Chris Cyborg. The list is plentiful. There are plenty of fighters on there. You got Jessica Penne. You've got other athletes that are on there as well. There's Formula One fighters. There's boxers on there. There's all types of athletes on there. And so make sure you guys check us out, subscribe to us over there, and then also check out the other athletes that are available on OnlyFans.com. Let's go through these divisions now. I want to get your thoughts on who do you see in these divisions? Top 15 are people that have, are standing out right now that are not necessarily in the top 15 that you suspect could 
find their way into a title fight and become the champion in 2024. Can let's go. Let's start. Bigger? Yeah, let's start. Let's fly right here. <laughs> I got my glasses on. I still can't read I it. I still can't see it, right? It's yeah. horrible. All right, so we're going to start at 125 is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'm really going to probably keep it exactly where it is. It's going to stay somewhere in that mix right now. I could see Manel Cape making a good run up into that. He's found his rhythm now, I think, in this division. Um, I think that he's right up in that mix. I see him fighting maybe someone like a Brandon Royval next. And then if how well Albazi does. But I don't think anyone outside of Brandon Moreno really gives Pantoja a really difficult time. Not, I can't say not a difficult time. They're all going to be scraps. But it's going to be... When it comes to talent versus talent and the wants and who really wants it, I haven't seen just that yet from any of the other ones that are down below. When push comes to shove and how hard they get after it, the one that I'm looking at, Brandon Moreno, repeats the cycle constantly. Is that He's the guy that can dig deep and get after it. We obviously know Pantoja can. I want to see how well Albazi does coming up on his next fight. He should win that fight. I think it's Kaikara France, correct? Do you want? Do you want to go through all the guys here? No, I just want you to get to pick somebody. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> my one guy. My one guy that's gonna. I think is gonna make a little bit of run, a run at the title is gonna be Manel Cape. <laughs> okay, if I was gonna pick one guy out of the <clears throat> everybody on that list, I'm gonna go Muhammad Mokayev. Yeah, Mokayev is you just, just went the easy way. <laughs> what do you mean that easy one? <laughs> I gave you first, and I, you went above <laughs> me. So what are you talking uh... about? Mokayev has got. A couple of things going for him. First off, he can wrestle his ass off. Okay. Second off, he's got a he's got a burning desire to prove to people how good he is, and that that goes a long way. And he believes in himself right now. Still undefeated, he believes that no one's going to beat him, and obviously he's going to have his hands full with Pantoja. But that's the guy that I look. If there's going to be a switch, I'm saying that Muhammad Mokayev becomes the flyweight champion. I don't think that he, like, I think if you get him to like Kai Car France, I think he can win that fight. That'll jump him a lot in the rankings, but you put him against someone like Manal Cape who can, who's got good wrestling, good sprawl and brawl. He's faster than him. Oh, got he does faster not have than him. good wrestling. His wrestling doesn't compare. I doesn't, Look, it does I'm not, not saying that I, I'm not saying that I don't like Manal Cape. I yeah. think he is a good fighter. He's got great stand up. He's fast. He's become proficient in his defensive wrestling. But his if you take a look at all of his early fights, what was the problem? Yeah, his wrestling. His wrestling. Yeah. And Mokayev is a guy, his wrestling is at a level that Cape is going to have problems mm-hmm. stopping it. I could I would agree with you. I just think the speed of Manel is going to give him problems. That's if they if they were to fight. I don't think they're going to fight. I think the UFC wants to keep uh, Mokayev away from uh, Cape. He it'll be one of those fights where you want to see him fight probably. Oh, well, that's a good problems. one. They, they 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 would they would yeah. Do I this know. A lot. I, they already I think have been back and forth as I recall. Yeah. The two of them chirped after each other, but um, I don't think you're going to see that fight. I think you're going to yeah. see uh, he'll fight someone that has a little bit. Maybe less wrestling, maybe not as fast and explosive. I wasn't as impressed with Mokayev, uh, his last fight. There's a lot of holding of Tim Elliott, holding him down, just trying to control him. And it was a close fight, John. It was a close fight. You know, and, and there was a lot of things going with it, but yeah. he got the submission. That's yeah, true. Which says a lot about him that he never quit. That's true. He was always looking for that finish. So mm-hmm. all right, one thirty five. 
All right, you go to 135. Give it to me. I'll give you your first shot again. Ah, <laughs> 135. One. This is the only time I'm giving you the last 35. Or you want me to do it? No, I mean everyone knows who I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Umar Nurmagomedov. <laughs> That's who I would have gone with. Yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> the bottom line is, is that no one in there is chomping at the bit to fight him. You know. Um. But I can tell you guys this: if you guys want to beat him, you got to beat him now. Yep. Because he's only going to get better. The kid's devoted. He is in that training room all the time. He just had a shoulder surgery, but he's he's back in the tr- he's back in the room. If you're going to beat him, right now is the time to beat him. That's it. Like, I'm going to I'm going to go this. You know, this is a, I'm going to go big time dark horse. Jonathan Martinez. Mm. I'll tell you what. That kid can fight. He can fight everywhere. He is very good. I'm not saying that he's going to get a shot at that title, but that's a, that's someone to watch. When you're looking at this weight class, there's so many good people. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that can absolutely become someone in the top five and be fighting for a shot at that title. No, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. Jonathan Martinez, very impressive. Big, big kicks. Got big power in his hands. Stays tight with his defense. And just is, he's unrelenting he doesn't stop you know just unbelievable pace the ability for him to land shots he's good he's He's, fun to watch he's very calculated in what he puts out and it gets directly to the point it's straight shots down the pipe big inside leg kick outside leg kicks all those things he's got power behind his kicks and he's got power behind his hands he's got like he's got power for a 135 pounder and he puts it together so well defensively stays on track very good, John. I'm glad you're doing your research, buddy. Thank you very much. Very good choice. Very good choice. But if I was going to pick a guy that could actually get the title yeah. this year, it'd be Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad we gave him a little honorable mention because I agree with you. Got to. I agree with you. And I think Corey Sanhagen and Sean O'Malley would be a fantastic Phenomenal fight. Phenomenal fight. Yeah. That was, I, that was one of my fights that I had on my car. Yeah, I think we both, both of us did. Both of us did. That's we right. both had that That's one. That's the one that we had. Yeah. Very good. 145. Right. You 145. go first, buddy. Age before oh beauty. Age before Who is beauty. going? To... <laughs> this is this one's horrible. I just want you to know that. Mm. I hate this one because look, I believe in Volkanovski as a fighter. He's just proven himself time and time again. But in my opinion, the guy that has the best chance of beating him, besides Max Holloway, who has you know gone up against him multiple times is the guy he's facing next yeah. in Tapuria. Tapuria is the guy. He's got the confidence behind him. He's got a a well-rounded, you know, skill set. He has got power in his hands. He's got great grappling. He matches up well with Volkanovski. I don't know if he physically matches up with Volkanovski. Yeah. That's the difference. <sighs> Look, it's so hard to go against Volk. I know it's That's just a, so hard. And well, I was gonna, look, if I was going to say, you know, who's going to be? He's he's going to be your champion at the end of twenty twenty four. I believe it. I mean, yeah, he he may be your champion here in the next couple. Of <laughs> When's their fight? Did it get pushed out to International Fight Week? No, it's in February. It's in February. I thought February. it got pushed out further. Dave, can you February. pull up when their fight is? I think it's February. Yeah, it's February. Yeah, it is February. Okay, okay. Wow. Um, damn. Go back to the. 
I'm going to go with, you have to go with Taporia also. But then I look at too, like, does Max Holloway beat Taporia? This is how, this is so funny how Styles make matchups. That's right. Yes. How Styles make matchups and does Max Holloway beat him? Yeah. You know, because I mean, stylistically, Taporia likes to box. Not a lot of kicking going on. He will kick, but not a lot. Uh, But he's a bulldog. He can stuff, take down defense. You know, Max is not going to shoot. He's going to box with him. Man. And then it's so funny because <laughs> did you see the little jabs back and forth between uh, Sean O'Malley and Tapuria? Because Sean O'Malley said, you know, "Oh yeah, yes, yeah." <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I thought, yeah, you got to give it to Tapuria at the beginning. He he was just he was running away with that one. Oh, he he yeah. dominated it, dominated the conversation. Sean kind of came back a little bit, but Tapuria was running away. With he it. ran away with it. I think he did. Um, but then look. This is one of those fights, though, too, with Max and Tapuria. Max deserves, no matter how the fight goes, deserves an automatic rematch. Does yeah. he take it, or does he fight somebody else and let let Max Holloway get the rematch, and then he fights somebody else? You know, you got Arnold Allen there. You know, someone oh, no. that 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 Volk hasn't fought. If he does lose, he can fight. You know, Arnold Allen, and uh, knock that that contender off. I mean, I don't know if the UFC would do that, but you have other guys in there. I would love to yeah. see a jo- um, a. Uh, 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 Evolov fight versus uh, versus Max or not Max, but uh, having a brain fart here, Volkanovski. That'd be yeah. a good little fight, you know. There's just fights to be had that are there that I think would be fun. There are. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want Volk to go that far down in the rankings until Evolov came up more, but <laughs> it's not fair. But I, I feel like those are match styles make matchups. Uh, let's go to uh, the 55 pound weight class. 55 pounders, you got to move that thing. There we go. <laughs> Look, it, it all comes down to who do I think is the person that has the best chance at this? I'm going to be honest. It's Armand Sarukian. I think the Sarukian is a good match with the champion. He has his things that he does well. He's young. He's fast. If there was anybody that I looked at and said had the best chance of taking that title from Makashev, it would be Sarukian. But there's also great contenders in Oliveira and Gaethje, you know, those guys have every right to get that shot too. But Sarukian is the one, his specific skill set and the way that he fights, I believe he presents the the greatest challenge. I will not be. Dave, can you pull up? When is uh, UFC 300? It's March April what? 20th? Is it April? April. Oh, it's April. 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 Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. It is April, huh? Yeah, April thirteenth. Yeah. April thirteenth. That's 13th. still. I think that's still within the Ramadan. Uh, yeah, he Islam will not be fighting in the in the Ramadan era there. But I mean, look, I, I think you're going to end up with Justin Gaethje and and Islam fighting in March. Um, I think Charles is going to end up fighting somebody else, probably an Armand Sarukian. And um, and then I think to be honest, that would be you, a hell of a fight. Though. Yes, it would be. Hell of a fight. Sarukian against Oliveira? Yep. I'd pay money for that. So, I think that's so what you're going to see. I think, what'd you say, Dave? Do you think Islam's going to take over O'Malley on the 299 card? Look, I believe that I, I do. I actually do. If he did, he would take it over. I think what they did was they saw that Sean O'Malley's pay-per-view numbers are not what they were, what they were supposed to be or thought. what they thought they were going to be. And uh, they were what they were. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking to maybe stack that card a little bit more. Because they know they can't use Islam 
And Islam, I know, was looking at maybe fighting sometime in March right before he heads into Ramadan. He wants to be a busy fighter. Whereas Habib was having a hard, hard time getting fights because people were kind of like not wanting to fight him until he was the champ. Islam's like, look, I'm ready to fight, man. I'm ready to fight as much as I possibly can. I think he wants to get one more in before Ramadan. And I think he wants to see how the dust settle settles for uh, Leon. And then he wants to, I think, fight Leon. That kind of sucks because that puts Sarukian right at that part where everyone's like, okay, does Islam fight Sarukian? Does he go up and fight Leon? Um, I've always wanted to see Dustin and uh, and Islam because I look at what Dustin can do and how Dustin threatens areas. Like I said with Justin Gaethje, they threaten areas against Islam that I think could have could have some success. I'm not could saying they're going to win. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying that he could that they could have some success. And they could test that chin. They could test the, you know, the, the actual wrestling they're going to struggle with. I think both of them will struggle with, but Justin's, or sorry, Dustin's ability to get up is a lot better than Justin's ability to get up. Submission yeah. game, Dustin's the better jujitsu guy. I, I look at this styles, make matchups and Justin and Dustin both on the feet could give him some problems. And it depends on his approach. He could get caught coming in, but I am interested in that Justin Gaethje fight. I'm not interested in watching more rematches that happened. You know, that happened a lot with Frankie Edgar in the gray Maynard situation happened with the Benson Henderson thing. Like I just, the 55 pound division seems to stall itself out because everyone is so good. The fights are so close and you end up with these close matchups. It's like, Oh, automatic rematch. <sighs> Let's move on to the next guy. It's not, it's unfair. I don't mm -hmm. want to say that because I know these fighters work so hard to get there. But when you come up short, you come up short. You know, and uh, I'd like to see Justin get that fight and maybe Armand fight either Dustin Poirier or Charles Oliveira. But I think it's going to be Charles Oliveira because I, I think they want to get Sarukian back up to that title shot as fast as they can. If he can get past Charles, that puts him right into that position of, I can't deny you anymore. In the yeah. meanwhile, Dustin Poirier is sitting on fucking Fantasy Island out there going, what the hell's going on? He is kind of. He's sitting out there Shit. all by himself. Yeah, it sucks for him. Yeah. All right, welterweight division. We got the champion in Leon Edwards. And I'm going to tell you, if I think the guy that's going to end up being champion there, it would be Shavkat Rachmanov. Hmm. He would be the guy that I would look at as the one to take that title and be, at the end of 2024, mm -hmm. be the guy holding the gold. Wow. That's, uh, you know, good call. Good call. Good call right there. <laughs> okay, well, good. then beat it. I'm not gonna beat it, but I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with someone we've had on the podcast. I'm gonna go with Sean Brady. I don't I'm not saying per se he's gonna win the title, but I think he's gonna be up there in that title talk. I think he okay. potentially will get a title shot. I I want to see how they shape him up. I would love to see him and Gilbert Burns, but I do want to mention this. I don't know what's going on with Gilbert Burns. He wants to fight. He's itching to fight. He's telling people he's he wants. Fight. Who's he fighting next? I don't. Who's Gilbert fighting, Dave? I, I saw he's, he's got a fight. Does he have a fight? Yeah. Why is he Let's not see. getting closer to the title? <clears throat> My Walmart Wi Fi tonight. Jeez, it is. It's really <laughs> slow. Um, wow. Jack Della Maddalena. That's way. That's I have nothing. No disrespect to Jack Della Maddalena. That's, that's, a, that's a big step backwards for Gilbert. Gilbert's at number three or four right now. I think he's at four. Where's Gilbert at on the on the rankings? I think he's at four. Four versus eleven. And I, yeah, I mean, that lets you know that he'll fight anyone anytime. I mean, he's oh yeah, 
And at 37 years old, I don't know what's going on, but this is not something, is it like, Hey, you do me a solid. Now you're going to go ahead and get me up there. I don't know, man. I, at 37 years old, I want to see him get a title shot here soon. I mean, if he gets another win, pull up his, his, uh, his record. What was his, his last fight? He got a win, I believe. Then he lost to uh Shavkat, not Shavkat, but, uh, no. Chamaya before that. Correct. Oh, so he lost to Bilal. No. Sorry. My bad. He didn't get a win off of Bilal. Then he beat Maz at all. Beat Magni. He lost to Chamayev. Okay. Okay. So, um, I feel like he's in that mix right there, but I'm looking at Sean Brady. I'd like to see Sean Brady and, and Gilbert Burns. That'd be a great fight. But I think, I think Sean Brady will be up in that top three or four by the end of 2024. What about Bilal? I mean, he's next in line for the title shot. I know. Is he uh, taking that title? If you go back and watch the first fight. Which I have. He was losing that fight. Yes. He was getting hit with the jabs. He was getting hit with, he was getting pieced up on the feet. He's getting pieced up on the feet. He's already made it very clear he's going to go back out to, uh, he's going to go to Dagestan and train with Habib and all those yeah. guys. And that fight, I believe, is where? Saudi Arabia? And uh, UFC 299. No. 299 is where? Uh, Florida. Florida. Okay, okay. Um, I, I, John, I just feel like he has gotten so much better since that last fight. What is he on eleven I fight think he win has streak? Better. Yeah, he's eleven. He's on eleven fight win streak. Below so has so has Leon. He has, he has. <laughs> so it's like the confidence is there. Um, it, honestly, John, this is a pick and fight for me. It really is. <laughs> what, what What do you think? No, it's. I think people put too much emphasis on that first fight, and because hmm. there's no doubt Leon was winning that fight, but it was the first round. Mm -hmm. Okay, and. How many how many first rounds have you lost? Almost my whole career. All of them. <laughs> Almost okay. my whole career. That's it. All of them. Yeah. So what does it mean? Well, it means that yeah, Leon was winning the first round. But things change and you make adjustments and that's part of what, you know, that break between rounds is for. So I can talk to the coach and I can make the adjustment. All of a sudden, I come out in the next round, it's not not quite the same fight and I'm doing much better. So I look at it as Bilal has to go out there and fight with the confidence that we saw when he fought Sean Brady. That was a confident fighter. Yeah. When he fought Gilbert Burns, that was a confident fighter. He goes out and fights that way. He's got a good chance of taking that title. Yeah. I, if he if he doesn't, then it's, it's going to be a rough night. But if he has that confidence, and I think Bilal can have that confidence. He believes in himself. I think it's a good thing he's going out to train with uh, – yeah, Habib. I think it is a good thing. They've got a bunch of top level guys out there that no one's ever heard of. I mean, and just kids yep. and they're younger kids that are just thriving and just wanting to learn more and to have someone like Bilal step inside that, that gym and just share any type of knowledge that he can give them to get them to that next level. They're going to be sure. soaking it up. I tell that story all the time about Umar. When he came in, he was 19 years old. I think he just turned 20 or he just was 19 about to turn 20. I was like, man, kid, stop asking me all these questions. Like, just train. <laughs> he just, no, he wanted to know in the middle of grappling. You know, like, I have a question for you after, okay? I'm like, look, we're grappling right now. I got you, buddy. I got you. You know, he just, he just wanted all the knowledge. And it shows that's why he's as good as he is right now. And he's only going to get better as he becomes, as he gets older and as he matures and as he gets, you know, stronger and all these things. So I'm looking forward to seeing the progression of uh, how 
Bilal fights uh, Leon in this fight versus the first time. Yep. All right, 185. Go, baby. Ah. Oh. <laughs> this is a, this is a pick 'em, dude. It really you can is. Go all across the board. It's great. It really is. I mean, I'm gonna go with Drekus Duplessis. Like, I think he's gonna probably end up beating Sean. The size, I think, okay. is gonna give him some problems. Right. But um, I think Izzy will be back by the end of the summer, maybe by September, and okay. he'll be a little bit more uh, reinvigorated. He'll be. He'll be motivated, I think, to get back in there. And uh, I think he'll spend some time probably working on whatever it is he needs to do. But I think you're going to see Izzy probably end up being possibly the champ again. So you're saying that DDP is going to beat Sean Strickland, have the title, and here comes Izzy to take it away. Yep. Okay. I like it. I think Drickus is very hittable. Uh, he doesn't clam he's very, up. He's very hittable. He's very hittable. He doesn't clam up. He's and strong, though. He doesn't, yeah, he is. But he's very hittable. He's not as fast. I don't think as fast as, as Sean. Sean's very clean with his striking also. There's nothing really looping. And so I think that's what the difference will be. Izzy will get to Drickus's chin a lot faster than he was able to try to get to Sean. Sean's really good at the judging the distance and the range. What Sean's going to have a hard time with is a guy who smothers him. You know, and fights him like in a little bit of a phone booth. I think he's going to have a hard time with that. What's his name's going to? Drick is going to fight him pressure wise. He's just going to be sloppy with it. Sean can catch him. I believe it. You know, because Drickus is open, leaves himself wide open, swings wild, all those things. He's big and strong. Um, but I think Drickus is tailor made for Izzy. So I think Izzy's going to come back. If Drickus wins, I think Izzy comes back by September and uh, I think he gets the title back. I'm going to go with a long shot here. A lot of people don't. It goes against a lot of the things I think because he's getting up in age. That Jared Cannonier is a guy that I think he's got one more shot. And I think he's going to get it. Really? Just, just think he's going to get it. I think Jared Cannonier has worked his ass off, has done the right things. He's treated people the right way. He trains with a, with a great bunch of guys. And for whatever reason, Jared Cannonier needs to to be able to say that he was a champion. How does he get just, there to 2024 to finish the year as a champion? You know, it, it all depends. I don't know. They don't have a fight for him. And right now, Izzy's out. DDP's got his, his title fight against Strickland. And there's Robert Whitaker who has a fight too. Hmm. He's got a fight against uh, Costa. Hmm. So I don't know where he's at. You know, Vittori, he's going to be fighting. <laughs> we just saw that. You know, against Brendan Allen. So it's like, who is it? Is it Cannoneer against Delice? You know, is it against, you know, Imovov? I don't know. The Cannoneer but, versus Delice fights, it, it, now that you just brought it up, I didn't even think about it. John, that's a good fight. That would be a great fight. That would be a great, great fight. fight. Yeah. Interesting. Doesn't move him up, though. I <laughs> John. The only way he moves up is by getting a win and those other people getting losses. Yeah. And I, look, Drickus can go out there and get starched. And Sean, yep. or he can win the title, and that push Sean down. And you can have you can have Cannoneer fight Sean, who they've already fought. Yeah, they've already fought, but it puts him right back into that talk of hey, I can get to the title shot by fighting yep. this guy. So, who knows? But I'd like to see the Cannoneer versus Roman Delizzi. And look, that would be they, a good, just so we're okay. clear though, like Dave, because you brought up it doesn't move him up. Look, even if you when you fight down, oh. 
the UFC remembers this. Those are like when, when Dana says, I don't like fighters who don't fight. He's being serious. So when I ask you to fight a guy, you know, in Roman Delizzi, who is tough, but he's ranked seven, he's only five, four spots behind you, you know, um, then I need you to fight him. And if you go out there and you have an impressive performance, if you finish him, whether it's knockout or submission, and you get him out of there, that puts you well, right into that title talk for me. What was what was Sean Strickland ranked? Six or seven when he fought Izzy? Something around there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, th that's the thing. Like, you, the UFC looks at Dana has a tendency to say, like, oh, remember, remember when we talk about, like, oh, they, when they say they'll do you a favor, they don't do you favors if you lose. You keep winning, <laughs> then they start doing you favors. You know, they'll pat you on the back, do this and that. But people keep considering favors money. They're not going to give you extra money. They might give you a little bit here and there, depending on the circumstances of the situation. But you go gouging them for money. They remember that shit. They remember it. Like this is, this is like dealing with like an old high school girlfriend. <laughs> like that just resents you for, for fucking her best friend. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like that, that's what it's like. They know, they remember those type of things, man. Like you did them dirty. You try to get money from them when we needed you to fight. And you asked for this, asked for that. Like, yeah. So I, I think if Jared was to fight someone like Delizzi and get a good win, I think that would put him in the good graces and he could potentially be next in line or right behind whoever's next in line. All right, let's go light heavyweight. We've got the champion in being Alex Pereira. And then we've got a long list of guys that were actually champions at one time. Mm -hmm. But what do you think? I'm going to go with... Um... Tough one, <laughs> tough one, tough one. No, like, here, I'm going to go with Ankalaev. The reason why I'm going to okay. go with Ankalaev is because he has the ability to take Yuri down. He's got the ability to take Jan down. He's got the ability to take uh, Rakic down. But will he use it, John? That's the thing. If he doesn't use it, then I take my, I take my choice back. I want, I want, <laughs> I, I want take backs, you know, because then I'm going to go with Rakic. I think Rakic is probably that guy that could make a title run. But I'm going to go with Uncle Live, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> you take a look at that. It, the list is it, it's hard to say because Jamal Hill, really like mm. him as a fighter. But coming off of an Achilles tendon tear, that's, that's a hard one. Mm. That's a tough one. It's going to take a while. So he's not going to get a fight for probably half of this 2024. And then he'll get his first fight in. And who do you put him against? You put him against the champion? I wouldn't do that to him right away. Not off of that injury, but he, he may want it. You know, you got Yuri Prohaska, who's, you know, he'll fight anybody. You know, he's he lost to the champ. I'm sure he would like that fight back. And if there was a guy that I was going to say, look, he's got a good chance of being the champion, it would be Yuri. Because yeah. he can beat anybody out there, and he could lose to him too. You know, it, but he's unorthodox enough does enough crazy things and is normally had a good chin the question is did his chin get checked to the point where he's not the same guy that takes those big shots because he's taken big shots before you know i look at yuri prohaska is probably my guy so you don't think that alex will be still there at the end oh no i i'm not saying that i'm saying he, if, if there was a guy that was going to get it back it would be yuri this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that there's, I feel like there's a potential that you're going to see Alex Pereira versus Tom Aspinall at UFC 300. Crazy if you do. I, I think you're going to potentially see that fight. 
But if you were a champion, light heavyweight champion, why would you fight a guy that's got an interim title? Just say it for I, the money. For the money, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> for, absolutely for the money. And I think that they need a big soundbite like that. Okay, that's the. Thing. I can you know, it's sure. it's a, it's questionable when you look because you're not going to be, the champion. John Jones is the champion. Yeah. You know what I look at though, John, and when I'm when I'm throwing these out there, if he goes up, he'll be. He'll be the first one in the UFC history, correct, to fight for three titles. Oh, yeah. He'll be the first one to fight for three titles. Is he the first one to fight for three titles? No. No? Who else? No, is he? Yeah, he would be because Henry was trying to do that with... Uh, yeah, with Volk. Volkanovski. They yeah. it to him. That's right. They stifled him. Yep. They did Henry Hirsuto dirty when he was in his prime. Henry That's what they did. Like a dog. Um no, I look at this, though, and I say, like, hey, this guy right now has an opportunity in just, what, eight fights? Eight, nine fights? To, yeah. to, to be a three-division champion. Do you, do you realize that Alex wasn't even in the UFC when Stipe fought his last fight against Ngannou? It's insane. <laughs> look what he's accomplished, John, yeah. since, he's, know, since Francis and Stipe fought. Francis won the title. Look what he's accomplished. Crazy. And, and, I know. He walks around 240, 235, 240. Like, he can fight a heavyweight. He's like, oh, heavyweight. He's the one that brought it up, I believe. I saw, a, a, I think it was a Instagram or a Twitter. Anyway, I saw, anyway, I saw something where it was him that was contemplating fighting at, at heavyweight. And if you're the UFC going, okay, look, we don't, we're scrambling around. The best way to sell this is that you have a guy who's never, there's never been tried before in the UFC, who's only got eight, nine fights in. Yep. He's he's a two division champion, and he's going to fight Tom Aspinall, who's the now the young up and coming new interim champion. And if he wins, John, he's going to fight John Jones. That's not a good fight for him, though. It's not, but it's not. Hold on, I want you to think about this. I'm not saying anything about uh, Alex. is a big guy himself. Mm -hmm. Stands probably six four. I think they have him listed at 6'3", but he's taller than that. 6'4". Like you said, he's 230 pounds. Aspinall is a 6'5", 260-pound dude that's fast. He's got speed. John, I said for two years that Tom Aspinall will be the champion. He, he's the interim <laughs> champion now. But I'm like, I'm not going back on him. I think he's the future of the heavyweight division. I'm over he here is. trying to sell what I think should be the main event I'm for 300. I'm trying to sell a fight. And yeah, and you're over here <laughs> sticking a shovel in it. Just telling me no, stick it up your ass, Josh. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I was, if I was Glover, who is mm -hmm. in his corner, I would say we're not doing. There's no reason to do that right now. If I'm the UFC, I'm looking at it from a promotional standpoint. What else do I have in front of me that I can market at UFC 300 that will get people's attention? A three-division champion, a person trying to make a three-division champion, a person who has only got eight, nine fights in the UFC and undefeated and not this and that. Like, I mean, not undefeated. He's got one loss to Izzy, sorry. But, um, but yeah, like, he's only eight fights into his career. He's a two-division champion. Now he's going to try and do something no one's ever done in UFC history against the new, young, and up-and-coming interim champion. It's marketable. It's, it's right there. It's right in front of you. I mean, I don't know if they'll do it. And, and I agree with you. If I'm Glover, I'd tell him no. But there's a lot of guys in the 205-pound division for him to fight.
That's right. So plenty of plenty of guys. Keep that money. All right, let's go heavyweight. We've got now. Are we saying that everyone's available here? Because it's real simple. Tom Aspinall is the guy. If you're going to say, is there someone's going to take that? Yeah. That title. It's Tom Aspinall. Mm-hmm. He's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. I mean, it's Tom Aspinall. I, I, look, I agree with you. I do agree with you, Tom Aspinall. But this is the other avenue I'm going to go back to is I think Sir Sergey Pavlovich is going to make another run. So well, I think he'll, he'll be up run. there, and I think I think that him and Tom are going to have a better fight. I think I think he's real. I think once he got in there the first time, he realized Tom Aspinall is faster than I thought. He hits harder than I thought. He will approach the fight differently, and I think he, there is a good chance that he'll be able to beat Tom. So I'm going to go. I'm, I'm not saying that Tom's going to lose, but I think he's going to be right there. I think he'll be the. If somebody in this group is able to beat Tom Aspinall, it'll be Sergey. Okay. I, as I go further down, I'm like, man, a lot of them. It's not even close. No. That's the problem with the heavyweight division right now. It's just there's such a steep drop off after number seven. Yeah, after seven. Yep. All right, well, let's get into the females. Okay, looking at, uh, we're going straight to the straw weight. We have Wei Li as the champion. She is uh, absolutely remarkable, but I'm going to go with the person that I picked as my. Uh, Woman fighter of the year, Tatiana Suarez is the one that I look at as being the champion, beating Whaley, getting the championship. Yeah, you took, short and sweet, you, baby. You took mine. You took mine. I'm Did gonna I? go. I'm gonna go the same way. Um, if I was to pick anybody else within this uh, area here, I would probably go with um, Lemos. She has a good chance of making a run and getting to the title shot before the end of 2024, uh, as long as she stays busy. She's going to have a hard time with people like Tatiana Suarez because they're so good at the one thing that they do and the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu together in combination. <clears throat> I think it's, it's going to be hard to deal with. So, yeah, but I agree I, with you. Tatiana Suarez will be champ by the, by the end of 2024, maybe even sooner. Yep. And then if you're going to go into the flyweight division with Alexa Grasso being the champion, who is it that you say is going to beat her? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know the activity of Juliana Pena, but the oh, way Pena is a one thirty-fiver, flyweight, flyweight, one twenty-five. That's where I'm at right now. Where am I at? Okay. What am I looking at? Oh, that's sorry, that's the pound I, for pound. I don't like, know what, what am I looking, looking at? at. I'm like, what am I looking at? Sorry, we're the one over, Dave. Not that one. Gotcha. I'm like, I'm like, um, let's look at this. Let's look at this. <laughs> you want me to take it? it? I'm going to say Macy Barber. Ooh. I'm going to say Macy Barber. Bold move, young man. Yes. That's a bold move, Cotton. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I like Macy. She's fun to watch. I don't think she's beating Alexa. Okay. Grasso has has gotten to the point her stand-up is too clean, and her grappling is now to a point where she can stop people from doing what she wants to do. Uh, I I think to beat Alexa, you've got to be someone that's got good enough hands and uh, stand up to be able to give her problems. And so I'm going to look and say if there was someone that could do that, it might be uh, Mano Farrell. Mm-hmm. I know she's got a fight going up against Blanchfield, which is a definite grappler versus striker matchup. And we're going to see how that one plays out. But if there was going to be, you know, again, Styles make fights, you've got to have a stand up game that gives Alexa problems. 
And the one that I see that could possibly do that is Mano. I got it. I understand. Um, yeah, when I look at Macy Barber, I think she gets to a potential title shot. But I think also, too, because the UFC does like her, they're going to put her in fights. They think that she has a good chance of, of winning. You know, um, yeah. they're going to give her a little bit more of a softer path. She is a draw. You hear it at the crowds. You hear it in, you know, you, social media kind of blows up a little bit as she comes into it. Um, who else? Tracy Cortez is another one. Fans love her. Yep. You know, they love what she does. They love how she fights. Like these are two fighters that I think that can make a little bit of a run, you know, in this 2024 year, as long as they stay active and busy, you know, yeah. Tracy Cortez took a lot of time off, you know, yep. and uh, yeah. she, if she would have stayed active and busy, I think she'd be up there in that, that number seven, number five area by now. So, and Macy Barber, I think she's finally settled into who she is as an athlete and a fighter and mentally she's in a good spot. So yep. I'm looking forward to her, uh, having a successful 2024. One more right, women's bantamweight. We don't even have a champion. Yeah. So who should be the two? Now let's just say who's going to be the champion. Who do you pick as the person that will be walking around with that belt? You know, it's really hard for me, but I mean, I, I really feel like possibly Raquel Pennington will probably win it here coming up. Really? I think she's going to win it. I think, look, there's a little extra motivation. She just had a baby with Tisha Torres. They, I think a little bit more focus. I think a little bit more on cue. I think, look, all during her a little bit of a bad run, I there was some stuff going on with her and Tisha, and they weren't separate. Like, now they're back together. They have a life and a family. I think they're married now. All these things. I think that settles the mind. And then now you know exactly what the goal is. The goal is, look, I got to make money to support the family. It's, it's pretty easy. Like you go out, you train every day. There's no hiccups in between. And I think there's a good chance that she could be, um, she could be whoever she's fighting to fight for a title. She's so fighting she's got, Silva. Yeah. She's fighting Silva right now. Myra Buena Silva. Yeah. Yeah. Silva's good. I, I think that's going to be a tough fight for her. It will be. It will be a tough fight for her. And so I'm, I'm going to pick Buena Silva as the person that gets the title. Got it. I got, I get it. I understand. I think Vieira and Aldana are both very tough fighters. The two of them can make a good run oh, also, yeah. you know? Well, Aldana just had that unbelievable fight against Carol Rosa. Yes. It was fantastic to finish off 2023, but she takes a lot of damage. Oh, man. Josh. She took a lot of damage in her title fight against Amanda. That fight, she took a lot of damage in that one. Hmm. So, you know, yeah. how long? How long does that train keep running? We'll see. I mean, like, John, remember when we were younger, we could take some damage. Yeah. <laughs> not when so. dude, i got kicked by a cow today and it hurt <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right guys hey well we uh we ran you guys about an hour and a half and uh hope you guys enjoyed the show hit that subscribe button if you guys enjoy watching our show subscribe to us down below also hit the thumbs up and the bell look there's gonna be a lot of news dropping here pretty soon within the next probably couple of weeks fight announcements on pfl and bellator crossover whether it's the title shots versus title you know um where, where the event's going to be. All of these things are going to be coming to fruition for PFL and Bellator when they're going to announce the first Bellator show over in, in the UK. And then obviously with the UFC, all the news dropping with the UFC 300s, what fights are, what fights are going to be announced for UFC 300. That is all to come in the next probably couple of weeks. So hit that little bell, hit the thumbs up, follow us, hit the bell to get, um, get notices and notifications from us. So you know when we drop some shows, they may be quick little 20, 30 minute shows, but it's going to be basically to talk about whatever the news is that dropped. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Subscribe. Also go to WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our hoodies and sweaters. Like I said, it is cold in Tennessee. 
It is cold in Texas right now. I'm in North Dallas area and whoo, it is cold here. So uh, pick up the hoodies and the sweaters and stuff. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. John, take us away, buddy. Hey, for everyone out there, thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a great week and we will see you later.